Hello everybody, this is Lindsay with Two Time with Lens. Again, thank you Poe the Passenger for the intro-outro music and I'm probably going to have you on the show soon guys, so watch this space everybody. Today on the show guys, I have actor, musician, also married to a casting director, Kevin Michael Brown on the show. Thank you so much Kevin for coming on the show and talking to us about your acting career so far what it is like being married to a casting director from an actor's point of view and perspective. It was really super informative. I know I got super pumped out just listening to all of this stuff. So thank you, Kevin. Disclaimer, there is... Kevin is very, very open about a decade-long alcohol abuse issue. And if anybody is out there who is listening is suffering from alcoholism, from drug addiction, struggling with depression, mental health, anything like that, I'm going to put in the description just some websites some telephone numbers for anyone listening to the, in the US in the UK because seeking help it may feel like a shameful thing but it's absolutely 100% not just don't feel ashamed I have had many people especially in my family who have suffered from alcohol and drug addiction it's a fucking dark and lonely place guys but you are never ever alone so once again, Kevin, thank you so much for opening up about that struggle that you endured for 10 whole long years. Um, thank you for talking about your acting career. Thank you for talking about your casting director wife who has won an Emmy. Everything. It has honestly been such a pleasure speaking to you. And it's such an inspirational interview, in my opinion. I hope you all get a lot from it. You can follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin Brown. Um, and reach out to myself, Kevin, or any of the links below if you are suffering with anything such as alcoholism, drug addiction, mental health, depression. I'm going to link them all in. And here's the interview. Enjoy. I, I'm well. I'm really happy to see you today. Likewise. Last, last time we saw each other was in a commercial workshop in Zoom land. In Zoomland, yeah. Zoomlandia, <laughs> and um, and and it was so good to hear from you, and I'm I'm real grateful to be here on your lovely little podcast here. Well, thank you for being on here. We have of so course. much to talk about. We do. Because not you've you have such a colorful background. <laughs> yes, you're an it's... actor. You're a musician. Of sorts. Of sorts. Mm -hmm. You're married to a casting director. I am married uh, to a casting director, yes. Um, so I don't know, where would you like to start? You know, we can start wherever you want. There's, it's it's really, I, I'm excited to talk to you about, you know, <laughs> aud auditioning in COVID land and being married to a casting director and all these things. Or I, I guess I can give you like the, the, the short version of how I ended up here at 60 okay. years old. Let's um, do that. Okay, well, and I, just I, yes, I, just really quickly, I watched some of your stuff earlier, and you have such. I just, I, I, one of my favorite things about actors is knowing their type, and I feel yes. like when I watched your demo reel, I feel like you really have a really strong sense of your type, and you nail, you just like knock it out of the park. Well, thank all you. The TV shows that you've been doing. Well, thank and you I'm so like, much. I, yes. I wish more casting directors felt that way, but actually they probably do. It's just, uh, it, it, it's 
funny because a year and a half ago, my, my, my reps, my manager, my agent said, stop dyeing your hair. Stop. You know, I never like dyed my hair, but I did the just for men, the, the, mm -hmm. the highlights to get rid of some of the gray as I went along. I just turned 60 a few months ago. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll do that. You know, I'm going to embrace whatever category I'm in now. Mm -hmm. um which it, it could it could be a uh, soccer dad or it could be soccer grandpa you know <laughs> just depending on where you want to go with that and so I I that was terrifying that I could like oh I could do either one I suppose but um I, I look younger than 60 so I'm grateful for that but it is kind of a mixed bag when you don't when you don't know exactly what you're what people would cast you for. And, and let me skip back to, um, I just got back into having an agent and, and pursuing acting work again, just literally 10 years ago. Um, the, short, the short track story is I, I graduated from CalArts, California Institute of the Arts uh, with a BFA in theater acting in 84. And came right down to LA and waited a lot of tables and played in a lot of horrible bar bands. And I got, then I, I got, a, I did a movie in 87 called uh, Permanent Record with Keanu Reeves. And it was, <gasps> it was nice. my first, uh, it was <laughs> my first real big work. You're hearing all my marks because we're going to talk about the Dave Grohl thing later because I need to hear oh, yes, from your mouth. But Keanu Reeves is one of my favorites as well. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll we can talk Keanu talk too. Uh, and so I did, I did that and this was, but you got to remember this was way, way back before any internet or anything like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Any uh, mass communication that was, that was like that. So it's like I, I would, what I would do as an actor is like I would get the LA Weekly every mm -hmm. week and see yeah. what movies, especially the small artsy movies they were recommending. And I would go see those things, you know, that was sort of my connection to seeing who new actors were. And I had seen Keanu in River's Edge. Um, I'd seen Michelle Marink in uh, uh, Real Genius with Val Kilmer. And so I looked up the people who were, when I, when I was cast, I, I had a seven week contract, which was just blew me away. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like, I was like, I finally, I'm, I'm working as an actor and it, you know, it goes for seven weeks and then you're a waiter again. Yeah. And that was always a bit of a, that was hard. Cause it's like, man, I could really get used to this. I'm having so much fun. It's a yeah. creative process and we were on location. Um, so, you know, I just, you know, I just kind of researched actors and, you know, Barry Corbin and Kathy Baker were in that. And, you know, I, I looked at what they had done before. And so then I started playing some music and then I did another film and some episodic television. And then there was this very big blank space, mm -hmm. basically from 1990 through 2000. I basically lived inside a bottle of Jack Daniels, became a really bad alcoholic and I oh. lost like a decade of my life, wow. um, you know, just struggling to be normal. So I always like to talk about that whenever I chat with anybody, because if, you know, if there's an actor out there or a person out there, if you're struggling with any substances yourself, it's like, I was just so stubborn, you yeah. know, I, I so wish I had gotten sober younger. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't want to be an alcoholic. So I was trying to find every possible way to not be an alcoholic. And so how old were you at this point? I was 
30. So from 30 to 40, I basically oh lost my, my 30s just struggling, playing in horrible bar bands, waiting tables. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just it was ugly. So, you know, but I, some of my best friends in the world and some of the greatest artists in the world, music and acting are sober people. Yeah. And, you know, I love my sober community. And it's like I, I had to finally really surrender and go, you know, I need help with this. I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, and that community, just like your theater community, you yeah. know, when you first started theater, it's like, this is my tribe. This is my home. Uh-huh. These are my people that I trust and that love me for who I am. And, you know, it's it's great to have. I have a lot of sober friends who are actors and who are successful working actors. Yeah. And so it's it's a safe place to be and it's a progressive fatal disease and if 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 anyone's struggling anyone listening to this is struggling um there's no shame you know the only shame is if you die of it you know the the only shame is if you just don't ask for help Mm -hmm. um because we are out here in droves and we want to all we want is to help you get sober and stay sober too and then you know i had to learn (laughs) i had to learn to uh, you know, I don't know how to play music sober. You know, I was like, I was, uh, you know, the booze was sort of my rocket fuel through five sets of, yeah. you know, horrible cover tunes in a smoky bar for a long time. So I, I was out of the acting business for for a number of years that way. I, you know, 10 years of drinking and then 10 years of rebuilding my life, basically. Mm-hmm. And then I got in into the music thing and I self-produced a small blues cd with some friends and but i was still pretty much just playing in cover bands and then i lucked into and you know being sober allowed me to a <laughs> allowed me to be able to show up for things which was really important like if present, you show yeah. up you, you're pretty much get you know a lot of times you get the job they're like hey this guy he keeps showing up god hire him you know mm-hmm. he's so annoying he <laughs> he's on time he keeps showing up he does what we ask him to do it's like and so i ended up in a a very popular sort of cover band on steroids. And we played uh, the concert in the park circuit around Southern California every summer. And in the off season, we played a lot of dinner dance auctions. And and so I sort of became a professional drummer for a while then. And that, I knew that that had an expiration date on it. I knew, cause they were all actually older than me, a decade older than me, the other guys in the band, but it was a really good band playing the records I grew up with yeah and um so when that ended you know about a couple of years before it ended I was like I need to get back into what I came to this town for yeah and it was starting all over it's like the last time I had had a headshot they were black and white now I needed a <laughs> color headshot you know it yeah. was just a whole new world mm-hmm. and so you know but I I I did it because I don't have anything to lose. Yeah. It's like, what have I got to lose? I'm already supporting myself. Mm-hmm. It allows me the freedom to audition and do those things if I like. And so I just, re- you know, it's like, I, I don't mean this to sound weird, but acting, being an actor is sort of like a, a nice birth defect. It's like, it's a blessing <laughs> and a curse <laughs> at the same time where it's like, you know, I can't get rid of it. Yeah. I, I just can't. I tried. You know, I, the, the music really helped for a long time because it was sort of my creative outlet. I got to hit things with sticks and get paid for it. Um, but, you know, when I started getting back into auditioning, got 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 an agent and started going out again, um, I just had forgotten how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. I just, 
um, it just it makes me happy. Aside from all the the change and the and the you know all the wonderful things that come from the creativity of live theater and of television and film and all of those nobler aspects of being an artist and being an actor. The bottom line was it made me really happy to work mm. as an actor. I really just and that's enjoyed. what it should be because as soon as exactly. it becomes a chore. And as soon as you yeah. start disliking it and you're like, ugh, what am I doing this yeah. for? That's when or you're like, like okay. well, I have to, I have to make this, you know, it's like, it was like, yes, I want to be a working actor. Yes, I'd like to be a rich working actor. But to go into it that way, it's like, well, I have to, you know, I have to work or, you know, if I don't achieve this amount of success by this, you know, then I'm not going to be an actor anymore. It's yeah, like, it's I, like, I don't have so that pressure. luxury. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sort of setting myself up for a fall that way. So when I'm in the, the world of, I'm just happy to have another audition. Mm -hmm. I'm just grateful to have another audition. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I feel that I'm kind of um, savvy in terms of my own sort of cynicism and stuff, but I don't look down on any work and I, I, mm -hmm. um, I really still get that same thrill, whether it's a one line scene or whether it's doing Shakespeare in the park. And both things are amazing. Honestly, if I talk, I've been here for 11 years and I'm still just like uh, co-star please. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. And, and then it's like, you don't, you, you have like three auditions in three years and then you have yeah. 10 auditions in three months and it's, yeah, and we'll get into the being married to a casting director. It's just like, well, you must not be a very good actor if you're married to a casting director and you're not working all the time. It's like, well, it doesn't really work that way. It doesn't way. work like that. It doesn't work that way at yeah. all. Um, I, what, what the advantage, what, if there's some edge I have over someone who isn't married to a casting director is sometimes I get seen for things that like my agent would miss. Yeah, you know, for something that's not in a breakdown, something that you know she knows of. But you know, the way it works is, you know, the casting director ultimately doesn't hire me. You know, it is it is the production. It is, yeah. you know, five producers, studio casting, network casting, yeah. the director, and you know, whoever else has got their finger in that pie. Mm -hmm. You know, the first time I worked. Um, coming back I worked in 2010 I did a, a nice little co-star on Franklin and Bash the first season of Franklin and Bash which my wife did cast she brought me in for this um this lawyer and it was it was kind of funny he was kind of dull and stupid it was a short little scene but it was with the two leads and it was a really cute little scene and she showed me she goes well this is this is what happened she showed me the email chain mm -hmm. of approval for a two-line part mind you Mm -hmm. And I, like I say, it went through network casting, studio casting, four producers, and a director. Yeah. Of, it took that many people to approve this tiny little two-line role. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't, you know, she can, what she does as a casting director is like she, she takes the people that she thinks are best and she sends them on. And then she doesn't, you know, she can recommend people, but she doesn't ultimately get a say of who they're going to hire. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's like picking like X amount of people and being like. Yeah. And sometimes her, you know, sometimes they go, nope, get us more, you know? Yeah. And so it's like that whole batch goes out and, and she brings in another lot. Mm -hmm. 
yeah it's definitely it's definitely a process that's why especially in LA like I've heard before you get like I obviously this isn't true for everybody and this isn't necessarily the way it works but I've just personally heard that people like to see the co-stars they like to see the guest stars because they trust that you're going to be good on set that you're totally going to show up on time you're going to be professional yeah um, can, so that's you, why can people... you remember your lines can yeah. you hit your mark can you do all those little technical things that you were trained to do and can yeah. you do it under pressure yeah and it's it's brilliant to have a bunch of co-star credits because it's like oh you know I, the greatest compliment someone a casting director gave me once he goes I, I see you as a journeyman actor I'm like yeah look I'll take that I, as a mm-hmm. guy who shows up does his job and goes home yeah. you know it's like um you know there are people who get you know get discovered and there are people you know the 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 double-edged sword of doing you know co- co-stars is that you never you don't really get a chance to do more than a couple of lines. You don't more get a yeah. chance to do more than a couple of scenes. It's like, well, well, what's the arc of my character? Well, your character's arc is really short because he's bringing yeah. in some information. He's setting this up for the, for the main, the main uh, character and, and then, he's yeah. leaving, yeah. you know? So it's like, so if you keep it as simple as that, it's like, just do what we're asked to do, yeah. you know? And be that guy that's reliable, that shows up and, you know, people will call you back that way because you don't embarrass them, you know, yeah. and you've done, you've done what they hired you to do. Yeah. And, and there's also the, the misconception, you know, of that it's an us versus them thing. It's Casting not. directors look no. for work just like we do. Mm-hmm. They go from job to job to job, yeah. just like we do. What they want more than ever is you to come in to do great and to book the job because yeah. guess what? Then they get to go home to their family too. Mm-hmm. So there's never this thing of like, well, we're just, you know, we're sorting out the wheat from the chaff. It's like, no, everybody wants you to succeed. Yeah. Everyone wants you to do your best work. And they and they would love to see you hired. You know, yeah. be, it's a feather in their cap of someone they bring in mm-hmm. who gets ultimately gets the job. And it, it's good for them. It gets them more work too. So the, the, yeah. the work begets the work that way. And casting, casting directors are people too. Even the, in the biggest, busiest, craziest office, they're mm-hmm. all just some, many of them, including my wife, were actors once themselves. Yeah. And so they totally get it. And they, they're the ones I believe make the better casting directors because they know what it's like on both sides of the yeah. table. It's interesting as well, like what you're saying about they hustle for work as well and they want the best out of you. I remember hearing that very early on and even like meeting casting directors who would say that. And for some yeah. reason, it like it flipped a switch in my head, in my brain, and it made me calm down. So anytime I would walk into a casting director office, I would just be like, not, I'm not going to say I didn't have not, I, I'm not going to say I didn't not not have nerves because I mm-hmm. nerves are always going to be there. I do but, all the time. I wouldn't be shaking like how I would be before. Yes. Do you know what yes. I mean? And yeah, so... exactly. Like this intimidation for like, this is make or break for this yeah. one thing for this person. And I've got to do it perfect. Um, beta blockers for one thing. Yeah. When I discovered beta blockers, I have a, an audition horror story to tell you if you have time for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, that's, you, you put a human face on it and, and they want you to, to be, to be relaxed and human too. Yeah. You know, they, 
they want to do their best to to have you be relaxed and do your you know they get the nerves under you know they get that too and um and it's you know you you hit on a, a really important point it's it's probably my biggest challenge still is mm-hmm. you know when my nerves when my nerves kick in i tend to go on a little autopilot and i tend to dig into my bag of tricks mm-hmm. instead of being really receptive to the reader yeah. and to the scene you know I, yeah. I get guarded and i get sort of set in my ways um so yeah it's i mean just if you can approach the room knowing that they're on your side you've won half the battle mm-hmm. and the fact that you got in the room in the first place oh, is monstrous it's you know, they get two thousand submissions you know, oh my for gosh. a roll mm-hmm. you know it's it's just insane so you know, there's, you know, the, the cliche is there's no such thing as a small part. It's like, no you know, there's not, not a thing. And, and every time I get, it's like, every time you get a chance to, to do your craft, do it. And that's yeah. what an audition is. That's your chance to, to put your work together and, yeah. and do your best. It's still, you know, it's still the same thing where I, you my agent calls or I'll get, uh, an audition in my on via email and my first reaction is like oh god <laughs> you know it's like oh this is going to be so stressful or oh you know there's that part of me that the part of me that's still allergic to auditioning mm-hmm. you know where it's like I'm, I'm gonna have to put everything I have into this thing and then I turn that around and go okay let's have fun with this what what can we do yeah you know what you were saying about getting in the room, like getting into the room and that I've been here for 11 years now and I've gone from agent to agent, manager to manager because no one's really been able to know what to do with me. Mm-hmm. And then I had one agent who I was with and then she stopped being an agent and then she started being an agent again like four years later and we met and she was just like, how I felt about you before. Like I, she was like, you were young, but you seemed older. And you weren't being placed in the correct, like, three because you weren't there yet. She's like, you're at that age and you've you've kind of like grown into your boots a little bit. Totally. Getting into the room for me, if I've told you, I've had like two co-star auditions and one guest star audition in the 11 years I've been here. It is brutal. So auditions are like... And it's harder for women even than it is for men. And Mm -hmm. it's... um, and and I feel your pain and uh, you know I did and I do when I can you know the casting director workshops which turned into this whole exploding thing oh, yeah. of you know but yeah I did those religiously too because half my auditions half of my work came from those things yeah. you know and there's still some of my connections I've had <laughs> I've had casting directors who never actually hired me but they go from show to show and they keep bringing me in I keep not booking mm-hmm. but it's like at least they keep bringing me in, you know, it's like, I must be doing something right. And my, you know, my agent told me, you know, early on, she goes, we're talking long run here, man. You know, this is this, it's, you've got to be in it for the long run. And, you know, who knows when this flurry of activity will turn into something you, or, or something when I did wicked city, which was wonderful. Uh, I got to be a corner on a murder show, which is like, cool. And, but, you know, here's the double-edged sword of this business. My wife actually cast that show 
Mm-hmm. And it was on ABC, and I I did two episodes as coroner, two shot, two different episodes. I was so happy. I was like, man, I'm getting to say lines. I'm getting to do this stuff. And yeah. and I was like, well, I'm going to be back because I'm a, the LA County coroner on a show about a serial killer. So I'm like, this is so good. And before any of my episodes even air, they cut the show. They canceled it. It's so sucks. not only not it's only did my, my first recurring guest star never got shown on TV. Yeah. Um, my wife lost her job mm. at the same time. You know, it's like, pack your stuff and we're done and Merry Christmas. Thank you for your yeah. service. So that's when I, when I'm talking to you about casting directors and actors, you know, yeah. we're in that same bin of here today, maybe gone tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Just crazy. Oh, speaking of nerves, <laughs> let me tell you my torture, uh, my torture audition. Um, yes, there was please. another creative thing that I did for a while to try to get into cat to people's rooms. I make really good barbecue. <laughs> so I would have my agent call the casting office when they weren't too busy. And I'd say, look, Kevin wants to meet you guys for a general. He makes really good barbecue. Can he bring you some barbecue for lunch next week? And so I got to do that for like three different offices. And one of the offices that I got into and I, I can say the name of the office because they're still going and, and I hope to get back in there again. I actually did a, um, a Zoom COVID thing where they were inviting people to send scenes in. So I, I did that for, but it was for Susan Bluestein's office, which was all the CSIs and yeah. huge office. And Susan is lovely. She is, and she is a seasoned casting director. She's like one of the best and she's been around a long time and she's just, she's a pro. And so uh, she brought me in for, after, after I brought them barbecue, they brought me in for um, some, some cop at a scene of one of the CSI things, uh, like one of the lieutenants. And it was one of those Franken scenes where they had taken bits from each of his three scenes in that episode mm-hmm. and sort of stuck them together. And which was, which is really, really hard. And, and so... I worked on it. I worked on it. I, this is before I found beta blockers. Worked on it with an acting coach. I actually paid somebody to help me work on this audition. So I was like, I want this right. And I got into that room. It was in the middle of February. It was pouring, pouring, pouring rain. I had headshots that day. I'd just driven back to the Paramount lock. I had to walk across Paramount lot in the pouring rain to get to this, uh, the, their office. Mm-hmm. It was late in the afternoon. And, um, I couldn't get my heart rate down. I, I was a little early and I went downstairs and sat in the, like in the waiting room. And I was like, okay, man, breathe, just breathe, just breathe. Cause it was just complex and nonsensical, the scene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, man, I guess you're as ready as you're going to be. And I, <laughs> I went in and the room was tiny. You'll hear people say that about the blue scene office. There was like the directors and the casting directors and all and and producers all jammed in this tiny tiny little room and I was like stuck in the corner by this little tape mark and I you know I had uh, the physical stuff I was going to do because I was holding gun at somebody and all this other stuff and all of it went out the window mm-hmm. and I you know because I couldn't hold the paper and I couldn't hold lines and do the do the movements that needed to happen at the same time so I thought I had it memorized well I did not have it memorized well. And I went up like two or three times and I finally just stumbled through it like the last time and left that office in shame 
and I just beat the hell out of myself for that one. Um, you know, and, and I have, not, you know, it's one of those stories like, well, I have not been back into that office for another co-star since then. And that was about four years ago. And I felt really, really bad about it. But what it made me do was go back into audition class mm-hmm. to learn to deal with those nerves and, and to find out about beta blockers, which actually really do help me slow down. If my heart rate's okay, I'm cool. You know, it's like when I get too worked up and it was just a very intimidating room and I just fell into the actor's pitfall, you know, where I was just, I was nervous. I wasn't really prepared and I wasn't, I wasn't calm enough to adjust to the room. Yeah. The strongest thing we can do as actors is when they give us a, like a redirect Mm -hmm. is to really listen and really change what we do and, and, and incorporate the redirect. Yeah. And that is that has been the biggest difference since then is that I've been able to come in and they go, oh, you know, you come in and you do it as written and then you do it once and they go, oh, just ignore the stage directions. We want oh, you yeah. to do it like this. They always say and that. And you're like, why did you put the stage directions in there <laughs> if you wanted me to ignore them? But then, you know, it's like there's a wonderful new challenge there that happens on set where it's yeah. like, okay, you're going to have to hit this mark and do this, but you need to really look over here at so-and-so when you're saying that, even though they're not there. It's like, okay, so you're incorporating these technical things, but I still need to be one-on-one and fresh and present for the scene, for the reader. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a really great feather in your cap to be calm enough and confident enough to take a direction and change the way you do the scene. Yeah. to incorporate what they wanted you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that separates you from a callback or not a callback. Yeah. You know, if because sometimes we get, we learn the scene one way and you just that's how way. we do it. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they're like, well, the second one pretty much looked like the first one. Thanks very yeah. much. You know. It's so crazy because I had, it was my first ever guest, it's my only ever guest star audition I've had since being here. And it was for Hello Ladies, that um, Stephen Merchant film. I, th- I think it was a film. Yes. And it was with Alison Joan. And well, which is, she, yeah, I don't think I've even been in her office. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, she wasn't in the room. It was just me and two guys. But just to be in her, <laughs> Alison Jones's office. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or like when you get into Junie Lowey, when you get into oh. UDK, you know. <laughs> It's like Junie Lowry, that was, you know, that was a huge thing. And it's hard not to, you know, you're exactly right. It's hard not to I, be intimidated. But oh when we gosh. go, when we go, hey, man, we're all here for the same thing. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, it starts to become fun instead of terrifying. But Exactly. You, but I, I feel like I hyped myself up so much because I'm so obsessed with Alison Jones's projects. Like everything totally. she has cast, I'm like, that's exactly what I want to be in. Every single yeah. thing. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. And that's yeah. When I was in her office, I was just like, and I thought I was so prepared. Like you were saying, I thought I was yeah. like, like, I was off book. I had done so much, like all of the techniques that I use, I'd put them all into place. And then for some, I have no idea. I think I was just so nervous, but there was a page that I didn't see. I don't even know how it yeah. happened. I don't know how it happened. So I feel like I've finished mm. the scene because there was like a natural end to it anyway. And then the guy carries on reading and I'm like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, 
And so then there was a whole other page. And then I just completely, I was so, so nervous just to even be in Alison Jones's office. And obviously I've never been called back. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm just like, that's it was, that was brutal CSI brutal. yeah they have I am but you know what uh, it's it makes for an interesting story and it makes for a lesson about you know our preparation and yeah you know being able to in the moment going you know what I completely missed that page could I have a minute or two to take a look at this yeah. you know if you can stake and claim your time to uh you know everybody's got those stories and and even the bigger ones where you know people are you know for huge huge roles and you know the one little thing that didn't get them that part so we have to find a way to make all of it fun Mm -hmm. you know that we have to find a way you know i i was i got a pin in me last week for um something on a really real it was like there was an NDA just to do the audition. Um, <laughs> it's that big of a show. It's a really, really big show on NBC. That's all uh-huh. I can say about it. And I went in for a really nice one day guest star and they called back and they said, hey, that's great. We need just a little more tape. Um, are you available for these dates? They put a pin in me. It was, And then the resounding silence after that yeah. where I, I was between me and someone else for a guest star on, mm, 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 which is that huge show on NBC and i just i feel like i know the show you're talking about and if it's the yeah. show i was talking like thinking about i would yeah. absolutely scream seeing you on it <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I, love, I watch it religiously yeah. if it's the one that and, I'm and, of. and it's a very popular show and so yeah. i'll be oh able to talk God. i'll be able to talk about it someday but yeah. um yeah <laughs> so you you know you just go and and you just worry it's like we we project as actors like oh it means they'll never have me and it's like no they that doesn't mean they'll never have you again. That means they'll probably have you in again because they, they had you. They will have you again if they're. You know, they probably will. And so just find something you know, that's more completely. Something yeah, something that fits you. And and it, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure why the physicality, my physicality, was not exactly right for the character that I was going to be playing. It was actually a well-known character that I was going to be playing. It was going to mm-hmm. be sort of an imitation of someone, and. That someone I was going to be imitating actually had was a little shorter than me and had rounded shoulders, was a little more slight yeah. in build than I was. So I am pretty sure that that's what happened. It was had nothing to do with about the quality of my audition, and they never would have put a pin in me in the first place. It's so interesting you, know? you say that because so much of casting as well is a lot of it, obviously, is your acting like 90, 88 percent, 90 percent is your acting and what you yeah. bring. But then there's also that aspect, like, are you what they're looking for? Do you match what, like, if you're meant to be somebody's sister or if you're meant to be someone's brother, like, do you, if you don't look exactly the same, or not even exactly the same, but like, if you don't have like a similar thing or like, I don't, it's the same in motion capture, like motion capture can be brutal where if they need someone who's five foot four and you're five, seven, then it's just like, well, it doesn't matter if you're great. Because we need someone yeah. who's five four. We like that's mm-hmm. it's very specific. If you're in a movie with Tom Cruise and you're taller than Tom Cruise, you're probably not going to be in a movie with Tom Cruise. Yeah, and you I know, also heard that... the same thing about Kiefer Sutherland because he's five. I think he's five seven. Speaking of Kiefer five... Sutherland, my wife cast. Um, she actually won an Emmy for Twenty Four. She cast Twenty Four from the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. and so so she so she did that for nine years. Yeah, and, that was honestly and... one of the best shows on TV. Yeah. And what you're talking about, it's like, 
a lot of t- a lot of things that I lost and see that that's a, the other great thing about <laughs> about being married to a casting director is that I hear the reasons why people don't get stuff and usually yeah. a lot of times they go ethnic it's it's a great time to be an ethnic actor of any type really yeah. the rainbow color is is it's a great time for you know there you know people of color and people of different ethnicities, it's a great time for them. And, mm-hmm. and it's high time for it to be a great time yeah. for them. And so there, there, are, there have been shows where they're like, well, we need this for this episode. And it's like, where well, you've lost out to type. What, you know, you were their first pick acting wise, but it needed to go a different way ethnically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens very, very often. There are times where, you know, you look like the producer's ex-boyfriend who she hates and, you know, or, or you just, whatever reason uh, of, of, well, the, you know, one of the hires up has one of the writer's friends is a good actor and they want, you know, that kind of stuff can Mm -hmm. happen all the time. And so you, you know, the, the double-edged sword of being an actor is that you have to approach each audition with all the passion, like imagining yourself in the role, you know, and then you start to think yourself, God, I'd really like to get this. I'd love to be on the show. This would be such a great thing. And you give it your all. And as soon as it's out of your hands, you have to not care about it anymore, Yeah, which is like impossible for us to do. It's like, wow, man, that was a really good scene. And I felt so good about that. And I imagined myself in this and they're starting work next week and I am all aboard and they go with someone else. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have, you made the investment, you have to have a natural grieving process of, of, you know, I really had my heart set on this thing. Mm -hmm. Get pissed about it, get sad about it, go treat yourself to some ice cream, you know, whatever it is you need to do, but then you have to move on. My my friend uh, Utkarsh, he, um, you know, works a lot and he's like, I, tear up the sides I throw them away you know I get ice cream I, I this is like what away. I do after an audition yeah. or anything yeah. like when I do have the audition because I'm just like okay it's done and now I just yeah it's not in my hands anymore yeah and, you do have to the, let it go yeah and the thing that I worked on recently which I also can't talk about but I will be able to um shortly I hope I got to do I got to work three days on a new limited series with two very very funny very popular actors and leads and I was playing a an iconic New York artist mm-hmm. uh, in in this this show and it was for another audit another office that hasn't had me in in a decade and mm-hmm. it's probably almost the biggest office in LA and I auditioned in November and it was like five weeks ago where they checked my availability. Oh my it gosh. was that long later. Yeah. And I was That's like, rare. oh my God, I for- really forgot about that. Yeah, totally. And got the avail check and the next day I got the, I got the role. And, and that was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is auditions during COVID and work during COVID, the work mm-hmm. protocols. And so, you know, what it was is, they were like a well-oiled machine and this was at a location downtown. And so you, there was COVID testing on site Yeah, where all the trucks and everything, where all the honey wagons are, where everything is, you go there and you do the COVID test. And so you were tested every single day, even on the days you didn't work. And um, 
you know, it, it was a show. This was a comedy. And the two lead guys are two very famous comedic actors. And, and I was like, this is going to be so great because I'm going to be hanging out with these guys. And it's going to be a fun set. And it was a fun little scene. And I never got to be with them at all. You know, I never got to shake their hands because yeah. we were like, okay, here. And then it was, uh, it was, okay, mask on. Okay, everybody rolling. Masks off. Hide yeah. them. Okay, and action, cut. All right, masks on, everybody. So it was this, it yeah. was another whole thing. It's like, you know, rolling speed, all that stuff. And then it was like masks. And so there was no real time to like improv together or yeah. anything like that. And, you know, I kind of got to wave at them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I was like, hi, I really love your work and I won't be able to shake your hand. and you know, it's, it's a, it's a different world and yeah. they're, and they're very, very strict about it because we don't want to shut down production again, Yeah. you know, um, but it's doable. It's just a different world. It's you know, it's like, yeah. I just wanted to be down there and it was a location they were filming in this, this sort of banquet room in this great old building in downtown LA. It was this sort of auction thing that they were filming. And I was just like, I want to hang out and watch these guys, yeah. you know, because what they did before my scene and what they did after my scene, it was just like, can't hang out here, you know? And that's half the fun of yeah. being on location is seeing some of your favorite actors doing their thing, mm -hmm. you know, improving and having a good time. And so it was a much more restrictive environment, but you have to find your freedom within that environment. Yeah. It's all, I do feel like, it's all going to go back to normal, maybe like end of 2022. I think it's going to yeah. be a long time. Obviously, I mean, there's a 22. That's a long way away. Yeah. Um, but right now I just, it is, it is a different world and auditioning's a different world. Mm -hmm. Casting director, like workshops, a different world. Like everything is done via Zoom, callbacks, self, you know, it's, yeah. it's now looming into the world of self tapes. Yeah. And I, I'm lucky. I have a good friend, my good friend, uh, Jim Holmes, who's a, had a great career as an actor and still works, uh, directed me. And as you like it, we did Shakespeare on the Bluff two years ago down at Loyola. And we, he, he lives close to me. We're good friends. And so we, we each have our setup. So yeah. we're kind of our study buddies when it comes to auditions That's great. where he needs help. I go over there and I'm his reader and yeah. I'm his cameraman. Perfect. I have an audition. He comes over here and he helps me. And I have a scrim that I put up. This is my studio. You can see, well, actually, I've got a, obviously, I've got that different picture, but this is sort of my garage turned studio, which I've played music in for years. And now mm. <laughs> I have a scrim that I put up for my auditions. And I get the natural light coming in from this side. And so this is where I do all my self tapes. And it's really important. This is another thing that actors really, really, really need to know. They're very specific on their instructions for your self-tape. Mm -hmm. The order things in, whether they're stuck together, whether they're not, whether the slate is first, whether the slate is last, read those to the T. Yeah. And if you can, do them to the T because mm -hmm. basically how you, how you tape your audition these days is almost as important as how good your audition is. Yeah. You really need to be seen well Mm -hmm. And in a non-distracting background and they have an order because they're seeing, 
so many of these things, they need to see the slate, you know, whatever they ask you to do, it's really important to try to do your best to have a good, good phone, good camera, mm -hmm. and really good lighting. It's yeah. really, really important. I think how the, technically your audition is as important as it was, as it is your performance in the audition. Yeah. And that wasn't what it was like before you went into their room, you know, yeah. they've got you lit. You're all set. There's your mark, do your audition. Yeah. This is a whole new level of, it's another element to the audition that is just as important as your other preparation. Yeah. And that's something actors really need to read that email close, yeah. you know, look at those sides close. Like you, you had the same thing that I did once where it's like, I miss a whole page. I miss a whole page. And they're going on and where and in the live audition where you're like, oh man, what did I do? Um, so it it they come in fast, they go out fast, especially commercial ones. Oh my God. It's like it's due to, it's due now. It's like it's like it was like, when was it due? Today at 10 a.m. and it's three o'clock. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, thanks. Um, thanks agent you know yeah. it's like you know we we they're fast and furious these days especially for commercials oh, and yeah. so um, it's so important quick. to just have your place set up so yeah. like I have the tripod that I'm using here now and my scrim is right over there so yeah. as soon as something comes in if I'm feeling it I'll just go shoot it and I'll yeah. send it off yeah uh, the other thing because the other thing you want to avoid is I don't want to be the last tape they see. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be, what if they make a decision early on yeah. of, who, of who they want? You've been to auditions before mm -hmm. where it's been late in the afternoon and you get in and you're like, they're not paying any attention to me. Oh, they've already so decided tired. who they want. Yeah. yeah. Or, they've, or they've made their choice and they're yeah. just doing you the courtesy of seeing you because mm -hmm. you drove all the way to the studio. Yeah. So be one of the first tapes in, man, you know, yeah. and be the best looking tape. It's so true. Do you have time to tell your Dave Girl story? Because I do I just, have time to tell my, I just, my, I need to hear it from my, your lips. My Dave Girl story. Well, <laughs> I know you've uh, already yes. told me, but I need to hear it. <laughs> yes. Well, I, um, in, in those years um, when I was rebuilding my life and doing music, I, I've, uh, you know, I met a lot of other musicians and I, I played in a, a really good cover band. And we opened for like tribute bands are a very big thing. I, I have some friends who are in, uh, uh, a CB Nicks tribute band, some of my best friends, and some of my best friends are in a lot of different Beatles tributes band. And this mm -hmm. band's called Fab Four. They're still playing. They're still great guys. And uh, I really good. I'm godfather to Paul McCartney guy's daughter. <laughs> my friend Artie, who plays Paul McCartney, taught himself to play left-handed. They're a really good tribute band. And so Dave Grohl's wife, who was his fiance at the time, hired them for their wedding their wedding uh wedding uh party well wedding celebration uh -huh. um and so dave lives up above the hills here in tarzana and this was a number of years ago this is like 2004 2003 somewhere around the early 2000s and so they were like hey you want to come be a roadie at dave girl's wedding <laughs> at reception i'm like yeah man i do i think i do and so <laughs> We, we I had to go buy a new suit and and we our staging place was the was the big hotel there in, in Warner Center Hotel. Mm -hmm. um, that was our staging room that they gave us to change. And then we drove up in a special van, you know, his shuttle van to get us to his house. Yeah. And he put a big tent over his tennis court. And um, so we went in and we set up 
and they did a sound check and uh, then they went back to the hotel to do their beetle wigs and makeup and all that stuff. And so there we were and there was Jack Black and there was Chris, you know, the bass player from, from Nirvana. And there was, you know, this is after Kurt had died, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, there were just, it was a small reception with he and his friends and his wife loved this band. It's like happy wife, happy life. Give yeah. her what she wants on our, for our wedding reception. And so I ended up taking a lot of pictures of other people with Dave Grohl, oh, God. <laughs> who, who is, of course, as you know, was just as nice and ju- so just nice. as personal and happy and open yeah. and receptive on his wedding night as he yeah. is any other day of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, get starstruck, a- but Dave Grohl. Well, he's a guy that was one of the best drummers in the 90s. And then he, you know, he doesn't really play the drums that much anymore. He like, you know, he's also a great guitarist, a great singer and a great songwriter and a great humanitarian. And he he reminds me of Tom Petty in the way of Tom was just such a great overall guy and a down to earth guy and and doesn't like making shit music. He only likes to make good music. Mm -hmm. And and so he will stand up for for artists and he'll interact with you have a kid come up and play uh, yeah. um, uh, the lead guitar lead uh, solo to one uh, a Foo Fighter song yeah if the kid knows it you know in yeah. front of 20,000 people it's like that's it. the kind of guy he is and so so uh, it, you know it was just one of those things where I was sort of fly on the wall and you know it was fun and I sent you a couple of pictures of the pictures I took God. of that that one <laughs> <laughs> and um so you know i was lucky to do little things like that i told you i went to eric idol's 25th wedding yeah. anniversary with the same band right yeah. playing a fake beatles band playing fake ruddles band songs <laughs> for the guy who was best friends with george harrison who was a real beetle yeah who he made <laughs> up the ruddles as an imitation of the real beatles so it was a fake Beatle band playing a fake Beatle band for a fake Beatle who was best friends with the real Beatle. It's insane. It's so funny. You and just it was can't great. It was up. so cool. It was just, it was at Sportsman's Lodge and every oh, single yeah. star that he knew was there. Where It was like swimming with sharks where you'd look at somebody and go, oh, that's Daryl Hannah. Oh, that's Quentin Tarantino. Oh, that's Graham Nash. And, and what's his name? And yeah. you ha- I just had to look down I had to look down and look around because everyone was famous yeah. and it freaked me out. I was just terrified. And you, you know, I was afraid that I didn't want to go up and say, Hey, uh, you know, I, I asked for anyone's autograph or anything yeah. like that, or a picture. They wanted pictures with the guys in the fab four, which was hilarious. So yeah. So I would take pictures of them with the fab four with Tom Hanks and Tom and Rita and all them there. And, and Eric was there at soundcheck while the fab four were playing Ruddles tunes yeah. that he had written right uh-huh. so it's a fake band covering a fake band <laughs> and they ended up he hired them they did the ruddles live at the ricardo montalban theater for a while there a number of years ago and he hired them to do that to do the ruddles live it didn't take off like Spamalot did mm-hmm. but it was just that that six degree of separation of just yeah. like being kind of in the right place at the right time and, and getting to see some of your favorite musicians and actors together you know and this is the other thing about thing. la just in general it's just like you don't know who you're gonna bump totally. into. you don't know you have, what's gonna yeah. happen anything could go 
And honestly, I build like, wood fences and gates. And so yeah. sometimes I, and you know, I ended up, I met, I almost met Tom Petty through um, Benmont, his keyboard player who I've done some work for. It was, turned out to be he was a neighbor right up the street. Yeah. And, you know, uh, he was like, yeah, we're rehearsing for our tour. And I was just like, I was like, can I come to the rehearsal? But I, I just didn't feel, <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel comfortable enough to do it. Now I'm kicking myself because it was their last tour. So, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. But just that's why I love keep LA. showing up. Um, and just obviously I love this whole business that we're in and it's hard. But at the same time, I'm just like, you know what? If you give up, then it's harder because you've given up. Yeah. But you're yeah. in it for the long haul. And I've listened to this quote and I've heard this quote for so long, but I don't know whoever said it, but it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Exactly. So that was that was what my agent always tells me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the thing, too. You've you've got you've got your lovely kid and you've got you know, you've got your family. Yeah. And you're in that you're in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it's not the end game of of I want to be a star. It's like, well, we're, we're going to enjoy our life on this journey. Exactly. You know, this journey together. To. Yeah. And you and there are times I audition, like I drive into Hollywood and I go, man, so many actors before me have yeah. been in this building, you yeah. know, doing the same thing I'm trying to do here. Or, or you get on a lot and you book a day and you work, work or you go to audition uh, at the Fox lot and you walk back, you know, get yeah. lost and go through some of the old New York street on the mm-hmm. Fox lot. And you just go, there's a history of people who have done what I, and it's like, I love this town. It's yeah. like, am I, am I making a living as an actor now? No, man, I'm building wood fences and gates, but it allows me to have these little journeys. Yeah. If you treat each audition as sort of a little spiritual journey and a little learning thing, you know, it's not just all about, I have to book everything or, mm-hmm. or I'm nothing, you know, yeah. I used to think, well, if I'm not a working actor, I'm not really an actor. And it's like, that's such a lie. It's you know, it's just, so it's, it's negative self-talk mm-hmm. and, you know, it's never, it's well, never, at least for me, for most people, it's not a linear progression, mm-hmm. you know, oh, it's it never just is. goes all yeah. over the place. You and know, you there really are people find your tribe. You really have to yeah. just live your life. And I also just want to thank you for just being open. I know you only briefly touched upon it, um, but I do know a lot of people who have come to LA or even uh, in London and they're, they're so like, they feel like if they're not a working actor, then they're not an actor. And they yeah. go down that rabbit hole of dr- and drink and mm-hmm. drugs and it takes yeah, you totally. and it can take you totally. forever, which some people yeah. I do know that's happened to. And some people it takes, it's, I know somebody who was the same as you about 15 years and they've been 20 years sober now and they're working yeah. all the time because they've got their shit together, but yeah. it's a really dark and lonely place. It is. It's, and, it is the darkest and yeah. it is, it is, it really messes with your head and it really mm-hmm. basically it destroys your spirit. That's, yeah. that's the hardest thing about it. But when you finally accept, you know, it's like when I finally just stopped pointing fingers and went, okay, doesn't matter where I got it from. It's like, it's like cancer. Yeah. It's like, you know, do you get mad at people who have cancer? It's like, like they got cancer themselves. It's like, no, it's like, it's a, it's a fatal progressive disease. So I need to treat it as such. Yeah. And it's like, do, do I, do I fix cancer by myself? No, I don't. I go to a specialist. I go to people who have recovered from cancer. Yeah. That's what I do. You know, it's like with alcoholism, it's like, it is so much bigger than me, but 
you know, I happen to do the 12 step route and my tribe are bigger than the disease. Mm -hmm. And, um, and sober people, you know, do great things. And I've seen people's careers and lives take off. And, and, you know, I I love my life. I I love my family. I love the ability to go audition. I can go play music when I like. Um, So it's really a good place to be in is to be here and to be Mm self-supporting. Really hard thing to do, especially now after all that went on in, in 2020 and people losing family members, people losing, you know, there's a, it's, it is, you know, it's, it's not for sissies. This, you know, this, this actor's life is not for sissies. Um, There are some people like Keanu, who is a really great guy and just had this incredible linear progression Mm -hmm. in his career. Um, It's just not me. You know, that was Mm -hmm. him. That was his journey. That was his thing. Not mine. It's not mine. I had a really long ugly detour into alcoholism yeah and that detours you know I'm, I'm back on the track now and so um we'll see you know I have reps who still believe in me you have reps who still believe in you um the the work is definitely coming back they're filming all around here now yeah. so it's it's on its way it's on its way back and people need content that's the yeah. thing you know I, one of the best things someone told me was Henry Winkler when we were graduating. He did a like a workshop with us graduating actors and he said he said they need you. He said mm-hmm. they need your talent. They yeah. need your spark, they need your light, they need you. And he told us the story of how he got Fonzie and how he called his mom from the payphone outside of Paramount when he booked it, you know, yeah. and he was just another actor like us who just went in there and kicked ass on that audition and they hired him and he became a legend and, and really, and he had a second whole huge is on a second wave of his career when he did Barry, Mm -hmm. you know, he got, he got a nomination for Barry and, and what a great guy, you know, I just go, I I love to hear stories of people who have been down for a while and come back up. Um, You know, the whole linear progression thing, it's really overrated and a lot of people die that way and a lot of people you know burn out and it's just life is messy life is messy and it has lots of weird little detours and you know it's important to be kind to ourselves and to like I say to reinforce our tribe I'm so glad we met in a in a commercial casting workshop and um you know, we will see each other down the line. You know, we make friends and we and we stick together. I'm yeah. so excited. We're going to have a big party here as soon as everything opens up. Oh, my God. You know, in the summer, <laughs> we're going to have a pool party here for, uh, I got my first vaccination. I'm ready, waiting for the second one. I got one. my first and, one too, know, yeah. Good, 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 good. Oh, my goodness. Kevin, it was such a pleasure to speak to you. You, oh, I, I feel like you've just crammed so much into such a little amount of space because I feel like you have so much more to say. But well, I, I hope you being here. it doesn't bore anyone and I hope that they can, you know, you know, just if anything, you know, my point being, it's like you belong here. You belong here. You have a right to do what you're doing. And, you know, the casting people are on your side you yeah. know, they just want you to succeed, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you need help, reach out. Thank you. Oh, and actually just pleasure. listening to your story as well, because I feel like. I moved to LA to like just run away from a bunch of problems in London. And I feel mm-hmm. like that dented who I was for a very, very long time. Yeah. And it was yeah. a very dark place for me. 
And I feel like it took yeah. a very long time to just recover in general. And I just feel like it took, I just, I, I kind of blamed it for my acting career not taking off. And yeah. now I'm in such a completely different place. And just yeah, you it, saying it, about that, I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. And It takes a long time. And, yeah. and you know, it's it, healing takes, you know, what is it? Is the Shakespeare quote, what, what is, you know, nothing heals, but by degrees, you know, it mm-hmm. takes a long time for those things. Time. And, and, you know, it's what we do with the time now, what we do mm-hmm. with the present day, bringing, bringing something to cram into the stream of life today yeah. and being gentle, you know, that's the thing is it, it takes a long time to learn to be kind to yourself. You know, we're like, it's, actors yeah. are so self-critical. It's, you know, it's, it's just awful. like, it's we awful. just beat the hell out of ourselves yeah. when we think we did something the way we think that they wanted to, it's like, yeah. You don't know what they want. Just make a choice and go with it and yeah. give yourself a break when you don't think it went perfect. It's like, yeah. how do you know? You know, how do you know that mm-hmm. it wasn't what they wanted? How do you know what, why they went with someone else? You don't know. Stop don't beating know. yourself up. Yeah. For sure. <sighs> well, Kevin, we will see each other, I'm sure, this year. I will definitely <laughs> see you around. And, and we'll see you around our, our favorite social media sites and, yeah. and keep fighting the good fight. And I, I hope you enjoy the rest of a lovely Sunday afternoon here I know, it's in gorgeous. the springtime in LA. It yeah. is. We're well, lucky to be here. Thank you so here. much. Once again, Kevin, thank you so much for coming onto the show, for opening up, being so honest and raw about everything. And also just everything. I just found that so inspiring myself and I just got really pumped out. So, Kevin, again, you're amazing. Thank you. You can follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin Brown. Again, Poe the Passenger, thank you for the intro and outro music. You guys are amazing. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you on the next show or hear you on the next show, whatever it is. All right, bye. So sick of-